0: Welcome to God Signs, a ministry of Deaf Bible Society of Arlington, Texas. Deaf Bible Society is a Christian ministry dedicated to the goal of translating the Bible into every signed language on earth, so that deaf people, wherever they are, will finally have access to the Word of God in their own heart language, the language they think in and dream in. Your host on this journey is J.R. Bucklew president and CEO of Deaf Bible Society. And I'm Marshall Lawrence. Here's a question for you. Have you ever visited a deaf church where the pastor is deaf and preaches in American Sign Language? Where almost all the people are either deaf or children of deaf adults? And even the songs have no melody or harmony, but are signed with no music, just a distinctive rhythmic beat. Has it ever occurred to you that even such places exist? Well, they do, and Jr. and his guest are going to take you to one today. I think you'll find it very interesting. So let's get right to it. Jr., the floor is yours.
1: Well, I've often wondered as I grew up, and uh, we've talked about this before, both my parents being deaf, um, uh, serving within a deaf church and then later within a deaf uh, ministry of a hearing church. We had an interpreter. That facilitated the uh, translation of the service, and also, you know, we were part of a sign language choir. Um, did outreach. We would visit. Uh, uh, we we would go every year to visit a pri- prison down in uh, near Houston, where there were a hundred plus deaf inmates, and we used to serve with a ministry there that would do uh, rehabilitation. They would work with the inmates when they were released. Uh, it was a deaf ministry. But oftentimes we would come across somebody that um, would ask questions in such a way that, that, well, and to be honest, usually kind of irked me a little bit. Uh, As a CODA, a child of deaf adults, I had a lot of pride in deaf culture and American Sign Language and the things that uh, I experienced growing up in the deaf world. And so somebody would say something, and as I've said before, I understand that oftentimes it's uh, innocent ignorance that they're saying these things, but I would really get upset. I remember, I was speaking at a uh, missions conference, and after the conference, a pastor, missions pastor from a fairly large church, came up, came up to me, and said, "You know, Jr. Uh, really liked the presentation. Uh, you know, at our church, we have a deaf ministry." And I said, oh, and I kind of made a joke, you know, because if you've ever been to a church that has a sign language interpreter, oftentimes you see them either standing down in the the left corner or the right corner as you're facing the stage. And and so, you know, the joke that I made was, well, what corner did they have the deaf people sit in? To which he kind of stepped back and said, oh, well, no, we we actually, they don't meet, they don't come in the sanctuary. I said, well, where do they go? And he said, well, we... We, 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 ha- we make them sit in the overflow room. We don't let them come in the sanctuary. And I, I, I was stunned. I just sort of sat there for a minute and looked at this guy. And uh, to which he, you know, all of a sudden a really shocked look came across his face where he said, Oh, JR, boy, that, that sure sounds horrible, doesn't it? I said, yeah, it sounds horrible. Uh, Why do you do that? And we went in and had a a fairly deep conversation, you know, church structure and, you know, reducing distractions in the sanctuary and things like that. Uh, But it really struck a chord with this idea of in ministering to people, our job in the Great Commission is taking the gospel to every person. We receive a calling to serve in some way. In Ephesians 4, it talks about to some we're given the apostles and preachers and evangelists. and We, we, we each have a call in our life. Does deafness exempt someone from filling the role of being a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, a worship leader, I don't know. Well, let me read from 1 Timothy. You've heard this passage before. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, Paul says, "The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, The saying is trustworthy. This is a good saying. This is a good thing. You should hold to these things. Well, not once did the guy talk about how many decibels the overseer should be able to hear. Not once is there this comment that, well, he must have clear vision. I mean, how many pastors do we see on the stage with... A pair of glasses, or uh, you know, correcting their vision, because goodness, the print in these Bibles feel like they get smaller every week. Well, n- none of those things are tangible reasons to qualify or disqualify someone for the office of overseer. So then, certain as a deaf person is not exempt from the receiving of the gospel message, they're not exempt from fulfilling a call to serve in the delivery of the gospel message. But how have our structures often prohibited people who don't have a just disqualification how have our structures in and of themselves disqualified someone from filling a role? Well, it's kind of a deep, a deep thought, Uh, and we could go many different ways, but I'm really excited about the guest that I have with me today on the program. Ryan Sims is the Deaf church coordinator at Deaf Bible Society, but also serves full-time as a senior pastor of Silent Friends Chapel, which is a mission church of First Baptist, Dallas, Texas. Ryan, uh, thank you so much for coming and spending time with me today.
2: Thank you. It's my pleasure.
1: Now, uh, for those listening, uh, Ryan uh, is not only the pastor of a Deaf church, a Deaf congregation, but he is Deaf himself. So. The voice that you're gonna be hearing today on the program is not, not Ryan's voice. We'll have a, a voice interpreter uh, helping you hear what I see him signing here in the studio. Uh, so Ryan, uh, I'm sure uh, many people would like to know. We, we, we were talking before, before we came in studio about some of the things we would discuss today and, and I, I made the comment that I said, you know, what is it like to be a deaf man? And you said, well, what, what relevance does that have? I'm just a normal man. I'm just a deaf man, uh, but you know, most people don't ever they it, it, they don't ever think about that. Well, there's a lot of normalcy to you just being a man. Do you ever experience challenges or situations in in ministry where maybe you're singled out as a deaf pastor, but for a, a reason that may not be valid?
2: I would say I'm not being singled out as a deaf man, but more about how people who can hear respond to my deafness. Many people seem to place a lot of barriers on how to communicate and may even panic or be frustrated, confused with how they should communicate with me. But we do have several ways to communicate through interpreters, email, or just old fashioned writing back and forth. I try to weed through those barriers just to show them that I'm a normal guy just the same as other guys to make that connection. When we imagine that communication is no longer an issue, we can communicate well. It's about not looking at me as a deaf man, rather looking at me as a person who has similar goals of connecting people to God and his kingdom.
1: And how long how long have you been pastoring at Silent Friends Chapel? Mm,
2: for about 2 years now. About 2 years now. For a while, I was a layman pastor before becoming a senior pastor. But altogether I have about four years under my belt, combining the lay pastoring and the transition to senior pastor.
1: And your church is actually getting ready to celebrate a pretty historic milestone for the church, right?
2: It will be our 100-year celebration on October 12th. It's the oldest deaf church in the state of Texas.
1: Oldest deaf church in the state of Texas. I, I mean that's amazing. A hundred years! Uh, what a celebration! I mean, there are many of us that attend uh, a church that our churches have yet to, to reach a milestone like that. And, exactly. And to think that there's a deaf church downtown Dallas that's soon to celebrate a hundred years. That I'm sure uh, many people, even in the even in the Dallas area, aren't aware exist. Uh, in in. In your experience in working with the church, what are some of the things that have been the most challenging? Maybe it has to do with being a deaf pastor or, or uh, leading a deaf congregation, but certainly you've experienced some challenges along the way that are pretty unique to your situation.
2: One of my biggest challenges in comparison to other deaf churches is our location downtown. Many deaf people are used to the church being located in areas outside of downtown, in places close to schools and public transportation, like in the suburbs. Our church's location is a bit complicated with a lot of traffic and businesses. Sometimes people are from small towns and are not comfortable driving in traffic or making their way through the big city, especially people from out of town who have moved here and are not comfortable navigating through a big city to find church. They prefer to find a local church. That seems to be the biggest challenge for us. But one credit to our church is that we do have public transportation where other local, smaller churches outside the city limits cannot offer that.
1: And public transportation is really important, um, really strategic for a deaf congregation. Yes. Uh, is, is it true that a higher percentage of deaf people in a, in a metropolitan area rely more heavily on public transportation than the hearing community?
2: I would say it's it's the same. Well, um, kind of, more deaf people, well, how do I put this? Deaf people do rely on public transportation, depending on their economic status and educational background, just as much as hearing people do. There's really no difference.
1: So your church um, is a mission Church of First Baptist Dallas, uh, in your work at Deaf Bible Society, uh, in relating with Deaf Church's ministries, um, one of the things that you oversee is something actually we, we mentioned uh, on this program before, a tool uh, called Deaf Churchware, which is an online church directory. So you and your team have have categorized. Deaf churches in four four general categories. Can you tell us more about what those four
2: are? Accessibility is the first one. It means that churches provide interpreters for their church worship service and other things like Bible study. They provide the basic form of accessibility. The next one is integration. This means that they have interpreters for the service but there would be a Bible study all in sign language with a deaf leader, or even an occasional worship time on their own, perhaps monthly, depending on their arrangements with the church. The third level is a deaf church supported under the umbrella of a church run by hearing members. The deaf church would have its own pastors, leaders, and Bible study groups, but it's either financially supported or it has a building or space provided by the hearing church, or it's supported by other means. And the fourth level that we refer to is a fully independent deaf church. This means the church itself is fully funded and run by the deaf members. It can still mean that the deaf church is under a structured hearing church, but it runs on its own without the help of the hearing church. This can also include a deaf church, which is located separate from the hearing church. There are several dynamics that play into this fourth level. These are the four levels we refer to.
1: Based on those categories, Silent Friends Chapel would be considered a supported church, the third category. So you 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 have worship in American Sign Language. I'm sure there are other lay leaders that serve there at the church um, that would be Leading worship, leading prayer, their preachings in American Sign Language, you have discipleship programs, outreach, other events. That I mean, it's all led, uh, but you're under the structure of First Dallas. You may some different churches vary on whether they receive full financial support from the umbrella church or some, or but that's where your church would be, correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. We are supported. However, my church with both hearing and deaf congregants tithe back to the hearing church who supports us. My church is supported with several things, like part of the pastor's salary and the other things like covering the cost for marketing and church promotions. Really, there is a vast range. Some deaf churches are fully funded, while others are semi-funded, like mine. If we run into trouble, we have a way to touch base and ask for help. We do operate independently from the hearing church, yet we are involved with them throughout the year. We can confidently disconnect and be on our own, experiencing our ups and downs and reconnect again. It's really nice for a church to have that kind of support where we feel free to lead our way, yet we have help there if we need it.
1: You have a good support there.
2: Yes, I agree. Yeah,
1: It's funny, you know, um, several years ago, I was speaking at a Conference it was a Mega Missions Conference and uh, um, had some some missions pastors from larger larger churches that were at this event and I don't, I don't remember maybe fifty or so mission pastors and uh, you know I, I put myself I gets I I get in hot water sometimes because of the way I ask questions um, but but I asked them I said how many of you your church has a deaf ministry and a handful of people raised their hand. And then I went one by one. I said, well, please, please describe for me your deaf ministry. Because as I know, and you know, Ryan, uh, when we think of ministry, well, oftentimes we have a picture in our mind of what that is. And I know that even in a lot of larger churches, hearing churches that have, you know, as we'll say, parenthetically, a deaf ministry, uh, that there's disconnect sometimes between what's happening and the picture that the leadership has in their mind of the deaf ministry. So I said, this, I went to each person that raised their hand. Well, what does your deaf ministry look like? And someone said, well, the nine o'clock service has an interpreter. Well, what else do you do? Well, that's all. The nine o'clock service has an interpreter. And the next person, well, what does your deaf ministry look like? Well, all of our services have an interpreter, okay? Okay. What is your next person what does your ministry look like well the the 11 o'clock service has an interpreter and i made the comment and of course several people were upset and i didn't mean anything insulting by it but i said you know frankly i would say that you you probably don't have a deaf ministry well what do you mean jr well what i mean is you certainly have a ministry activity that's taken place in that you have people that have volunteered time and they're wanting to serve the church in some way. But the extent of your ministry is that you you, you simply, not to make light of it, but you, you provided access to some of the content. And so what I equate that with is you building a ramp so someone in a wheelchair can get in your building doesn't mean that now all of a sudden you have this big wheelchair ministry. Right. You've just provided someone access so they could get in and engage with content. Because ministry is is two ways, right? There's, there's things taking place. You're engaging. You're sharing. You're seeing, you know, Timothy's becoming Paul's and discipleship and, and reproducing. And you're seeing people grow and change. And oftentimes, if all you're doing is providing an interpreter while that's good and they're receiving content, it's really hard to see growth. It's really hard hard to get feedback from the deaf congregation. And so we're really thankful for the churches out there that are willing to support, as we talked about, the integrated model where you may have a deaf Bible study and Sunday school class and ministry activities, and the main worship is um, with the hearing brothers and sisters, with an interpreter, or even more like your structure where you're you're, the preaching is in American Sign Language. The worship's in American Sign Language. I mean, there's something to not the idea. I hear this often, and you may hear this too, where it's, well, it's one church. We want everyone to be together. We just want everyone to be together. And it's not because that you just don't want to worship with hearing people. But there's something to having a structure where a deaf person can actually fulfill a call in their life to serve in ministry, and they can do that uh, really well within a deaf church structure, within a structure that allows them to teach and preach and worship in American Sign Language. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, uh, One last question I'd like to ask you is, what do you think is something people could be praying for when it comes to thinking about deaf pastors, deaf ministry leaders across the country. Certainly there's a struggle. I know we've talked about burnout is super high when it comes to deaf pastors, but if we could leave people with one prayer request, what would that be?
2: I would say pray for people who are seriously being called to serve the deaf church, not just to provide access, but become integrated and connected to the ministry pray for those called to serve with our deaf youth, that they can become leaders and mentors to the next generation, not just to stand in the background and say they have provided access, but real involvement in the deaf community with real actionable items to serve, lead, to live out the gospel together.
1: I'm sure you see people uh, doing that within your congregation, and there is a big need for that across the country. Um, Specifically, uh, you and I have had opportunity um, to engage with Deaf Ministries in New York City. Um, And there's some amazing things happening there. There's, you know, uh, with International Baptist Church in Brooklyn and with um, St. Anne's in Manhattan and with several other churches throughout the area. uh, I I would assume you would encourage the same prayer Uh, around Deaf ministry in New York City, yeah?
2: Right. Exactly. Not just prayers for hearing and the Deaf people to get involved in a community, but that Deaf people are given equal opportunities to serve and not pushed aside by people who can hear. Pray that Deaf people are reassured that we are all in this together, and it's okay to make mistakes. We're human. It's how we mature in Christ, by sharing responsibilities with others. We give the opportunity to others to serve the Lord. Well, thank
1: you so much, Ryan, for taking time with us today to to share your story and to bring others into the ministry with us.
0: Thanks, J.R. and Ryan, for that insight into the unique and powerful influence that a deaf-led church can have in a local deaf community and the influence that it can have in the spiritual and social lives of all who attend it. Deaf people, like all of us, need a place where they can be on the Christian journey, preferably with others who share their language and the experience of being deaf. A deaf-led church is a great place to find that. Unfortunately, in most communities in the United States, such places are few and far between. We need more. And the deaf need Bibles on video in American Sign Language. At this moment, there's not a complete translation of the Bible ready for them. But you can help change that. Just go to godsigns.com and make a generous contribution to help fund sign language translation work for deaf people. There's nothing like reading or seeing God's Word in your native language. And your gifts can finally help to make that happen for deaf people. Please go to godsigns.com and make a contribution to this vital effort. godsigns.com. Thank you so much. And now with some closing thoughts, here's JR.
1: You know, oftentimes when I have this conversation uh, with, with pastors and other leaders, and talking about hearing pastors and hearing church leaders, uh, this is actually a really difficult topic. Um, as we talked about with with uh, Pastor Ryan, this idea that um, creating a space for deaf centric worship, now, and and try and be careful what I mean. I'm not saying that deaf culture, the deaf identity, trumps the gospel centric nature of the church. But but what I'm saying is. There's so much that goes into the facilitation of our worship services that we don't think about that are very centric to our uh, auditory senses. Uh, We had uh, one of our staffers at Deaf Bible Society, when we were moving into new office facilities, was making the request that, well, if we're going to have glass walls for the offices, we need switch glass where you can touch it and it becomes foggy. And then you can touch it and it becomes clear. That way we can have private conversation. Because, I mean, if you think about it, just because I close a glass door doesn't mean I can now have a private conversation in sign language on the other side of the glass when someone on the opposite side can see very clearly what we're talking about. And I made the comment that, well, you know, that's really expensive. And he said, but don't don't a lot of even small churches spend thousands and thousands of dollars on sound equipment to ensure the guitars sound just right for a worship service that takes place maybe a half hour to an hour a week. We use these every day. So why, why is this a challenge for us? You know, there really is something to us wanting to preach the gospel, to preach a sermon in such a way that the people that we're communicating to can receive it well can understand what we're saying. There really is something, too, when we lead people into worship that, you know, when it sounds horrible, it's just hard to do that. So how can we begin to foster places of worship that allow a deaf person to serve well, that allow them to minister well? So they can share the gospel so that everyone in your congregation, everyone in your neighborhood has a chance to receive that beautiful message. So join us, continue on this journey with us as we make Christ known to everyone around the world, including the deaf. Thank you. Thank you, JR.
0: That's powerful stuff. A powerful message. We're so thankful that Pastor Ryan was able to share with us today about his journey and the work of his congregation in Dallas. If you're listening to this broadcast on the radio, or if you watch and listen online at godsigns.com, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email to godsigns.com. It's always great to read your personal stories and to know that the program is being a blessing to you. And of course, we'd appreciate your prayers. Remember, friends, that the online version of this broadcast is a video version and interpreted into American Sign Language so all the deaf will see and no one will be left out. If you have friends or family who are deaf themselves, encourage them to visit godsigns.com to see today's program or any of our programs in ASL. There's no charge, no gimmick, no salesperson will call, and that's the truth. Thank you for being part of this program and for spreading the word about what we're trying to accomplish. With your prayers and generous financial support, we'll continue this work until all the deaf have seen God's word with their own eyes. For J.R. Bucklew and Deaf Bible Society, I'm Marshall Lawrence. May God bless you in all ways. no charge, no gimmick, no salesperson will call. And that's the truth. Thank you for being part of this program and for spreading the word about what we're trying to accomplish. With your prayers and generous financial support, we'll continue this work until all the deaf have seen God's word with their own eyes. For J.R. Bucklew and Deaf Bible Society, I'm Marshall Lawrence. May God bless you in all ways.